another episode of Justin the Food Entrepreneur's Podcast. I'm Justin Bizarro. I'm your host. That's B-I-Z-Z-A-R-R-O. And you can find us on the World Wide Web, I guess, on social media at Justin and the Food Entrepreneurs on Facebook and Instagram. I'm a little rusty on that one. But today I'm pretty excited. I've been uh, chasing these guys for a while to try to get them on the podcast and uh, do an episode. So, Patrick and Randy Baldwin, how are you guys doing today? Doing good, Justin. How are you? I'm doing well. Thank you. And so I've been following you guys all the way back from when you were on Instagram and you, I think you were driving across the country to pick up the trailer in the first place for your food trailer, the Southern Straw. Yes. I think that that was actually the first time you, you sent me an email then, or you sent me a message on Instagram. And at the time, you know, you, you asked about coming on and doing this. I'm like, we don't even have the trailer yet. Like I'm, I'm telling Randy, this is, this is silly. We don't even have the trailer yet. Um, and uh, you know, it, hindsight's 2020, but I, I wish we would have done it then just, um, it, but at the same time I was just, we, we, we knew nothing at the time. And, uh, now I feel like we've got maybe something that we could share with someone that would be, that would be helpful. But at the time we were so far from knowing anything, but <laughs> we didn't even, I, we, we barely got the trailer back from, from Indiana. So, oh, 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 no, I know. And let me tell you, one of the first experiences I ever had as a food trailer, we had a demo trailer. We did fried chicken and fried chicken ingredients and marinades and rotisserie chicken and stuff. Um, pressure fryers things like that all over the east coast at a time with our business and distributed the product so we had this trailer we would go do these demos for for grocery stores and stuff like that and the first one of the first times i drove it i was in long island and um i didn't know the height restriction thing and i realized it so i jerked the thing back onto the highway over the median and took out both axles on the trailer that was a pretty awesome experience (laughs) cost about eight grand so that was um a lesson well learned right there yeah Um, we we were coming back we we stopped in in nebraska because the trailer i looked in my side view and a snowstorm came and the trailer was to my far left and i'm just driving straight down the highway and the drivers on or the trailers on my far left and i can see a semi on my right side in my in my side view mirror so i thought yeah this is probably a pretty good time to pull over um, it was, it was definitely a uh, nerve wracking and it, I'm still driving through downtown Denver. I just, if, if it's, I, I try, I'll get someone to, somewhere two hours early just so I don't have to drive through the middle of traffic in downtown Denver. It's, it's, it's not fun. Yeah. It's an interesting thing. So <clears throat> let's go back. So tell me your history, why food entrepreneur, you know, a little bit about, you know, where you guys come from. And I mean, it's, it's not an easy decision to go into business like this. So tell me about sort of how all of that happened. Sure. So I was kind of, um, you, you know, I, I, I was kind of pushed into, into doing this, um, not based on, it was more out of necessity. Um, I wanted to, do something my my past life i food has not been something that that has has you know we we love cooking at home but it's never been anything that we did 
um, professionally. I was actually a, uh, a GM for a furniture company, and um, I, I started with them when I was 19 years old and uh, kind of worked my way up, moved across the country for them. And I was, you know, you always, when, when you work somewhere, you always feel as if, I, you know, oh, I would love to go do, go do this one day. And, you know, starting a food truck was always something that I wanted to do, but just, I would, I would never do it because I was comfortable in in the situation that I was in. And then, um, at one point I was just, uh, laid off from, from the company that I had been with, you know, since I was 19. So I really started with them as a kid, uh, to the point that I was, you know, I, I've been with them 17, 17 years. Um, and so I just really never had a reason to leave. And then once I was gone, I just thought, you know what, I've never want to be put in that position again. I never want to, uh, rely on, um, on the, on someone else, you know, there, there's not security in that there's security in me working for myself. It's as, it's as good or as great as I want it to be, or it's as bad as, as it's as bad as I make it. It's, it's all on me. Um, and so that was, that was kind of where this all started from. I left that company and, um, just thought this is really the time to, to be able to do this. And, so that's where all, all this really started out. Um, it started. I want to um, pause you right there just for one second on, on something very important right there. Cause I think, um, a lot of people either people that uh, I'll just explain it this way. So for me, I think it's interesting that you came to that because the, one of the most influential things that happened in my life was my father after 28 years of giving his everything to the different companies exactly was without a job and out of necessity created what is food service partners where you know is my you know my main source of entrepreneurism and business and growth and it's a in the family business and it's interesting but because of that I never wanted to leave my hands my fate in someone else's hands. That was one. And number two, I watched what he had to do just like you did. It was like, okay, now I can do what I really wanted to do. But if that never happened, you would have just kept doing it and never really done that desire to, to go do it on your own, which is weirdly freeing. I'm, I'm, I'm just saying it's kind of a crazy thing where you live and die and you live by your own mistakes. And it's really, your decisions really mean something. You know, and um, and you actually lead people and employees. So I'll let you keep going from there. But I just think it's such a significant thing for entrepreneurs. Either something like that has happened in their life or they grew up as an entrepreneur where they're like, okay, if I'm going to work this hard, I might as well work this hard. And there could be a potential upswing, you know, a hockey stick effect where if I work really hard for seven years, there could be big gains where if I did my normal thing. Maybe after seven years, I wouldn't be as far as if I did something myself and really worked at it. So it's interesting. So Patrick, I'm sorry. Go ahead. I'll let you continue. No, you're, yeah, you're fine. No, you're 100% correct. I, I think the best way to, that I look at it is instead of living someone else's dream, now I can live my own dream. Um, I still put, you know, I treat with that company, I treated that like it was my own. 
Um, I put as much heart and effort as I, I, I did into that and it, as I do into my own company. Um, it's just now there's so much more that rides on it. I, my, I've got two boys, a, a, a 17 year old and a 13 year old. And both of those guys, I want to be able to show them that they really can, can take nothing and make it something. I mean, we look back on this last year and really to see the, I'm kind of a one, I'm an OCD guy. Um, yeah, me too, man. <laughs> on, a, yeah. on a daily basis, but two, it also has, you know, we look at this and what it's grown to in, in the last year, um, just to think that really somebody, you know, people out there want to spend their, their hard earned money on, on us, um, is so, so rewarding in itself. Um, and the relationships that you build throughout, it's, it's just so rewarding. So, and that's really where we started all of this was, it was the, the idea was, you know, was based off of relationships. We started with the thought process of, um, you know, I, I grew up in the South. I grew up in Arkansas. Um, so with moving with this past company, I, um, that's what, why I've landed in Colorado and, and met Randy here. Um, but it really is, it's, um, I, I wanted to bring something from home back here, but you know, you see, you always hear of, of, of trucks of Southern, Southern food trucks, or you hear of a Southern restaurant, and the first thing that we constantly hear is, oh, you must carry, you know, it's barbecue or, oh, it's Cajun food. And we're yeah, like, absolutely. no, that those are the first two things that people go to. And it's, it's not, it's so I, I, we call it, you know, Southern, com- we specialize in comfort food. Um, and I, it started, our first thought was I grew up on fried bologna. I don't know if you, you ate fried bologna growing up, um, <laughs> But we we had this bright idea of starting a we were going to do a, a bologna truck um, and call it what what was it, babe? A bunch of bologna. Oh yeah, that's a bunch of bologna. <laughs> that was gonna be the name of this food truck. That's a bunch of bologna. Which is is great for I love it. Oh god, that's truck. incredible. That's great for a food truck, but we didn't ever see that possibly turning into a brick and mortar. Um, and so we wanted to, you know, really keep it, that goes back to that OCD of I'm all, I'm constantly thinking of what, what's this going to turn into in the future. Um, so that didn't really make sense. And, um, so that's where we thought, okay, maybe the fried bologna, maybe that could just be one of the, the menu items. Um, and it's mar- our most popular menu item today. So, um, that, that's really where, where this all started, where the Southern straw got its got its beginnings and so from there i mean what is what is what has happened i mean you so you how did you decide to buy the trailer you bought i mean how did you decide to come up with the menu you decide i mean where did you get your flair from and and before you answer the questions i think one of the cool things that I like what you said is the comfort food thing. I don't think people understand 
Well, one, I like that you said it wasn't barbecue only in the South, that there's other comfort foods, because I think that's that's very true. And the other part is, is I think the other thing that people don't understand is every place in, in the United States has sort of a comfort food within every city, as we're starting to see um, cities get their own flair for food and things like that. Um, so I'm interested in what sort of you're talking about with Arkansas. It's funny. I spent a lot of time in Georgia, so for some reason when you said Arkansas – even though I'm standing in Colorado, I'm thinking I'm in Georgia. It was a weird, this whole transcendency thing is kind of crazy, which studio I'm in. And then, um, but I like what you guys are doing. So explain to me the decision, um, how you came up with a menu, how you decided to customize it, how you chose the people you chose to, to put your trust and your money in to build that trailer for you. Sure. Um, so I, uh, through the research, so I, I literally, I spent a year. So, um, I, I left my previous company, uh, in, I want to say 2018 and I spent it by December of 2018. We had decided November of two, I'm sorry, November of 2018, we had decided we're doing this, this is happening. So I really spent a year before we opened, um, really just researching researching and researching and researching and we didn't have a menu until two weeks before we opened um but it was it was i guess there's two parts to that one is you know going going down the whole truck process um one i had a perfectly perfectly good vehicle um a lot of times you know it's like are you going to decide between a trailer and a truck and um you know for for your mobile kitchen and for my for us it was more i already had a perfectly good diesel engine truck that was only about a year old at the time and i just you know i I, I couldn't see spending the money. I saw a lot of horror stories about, well, my kitchen works great, but my, tr- but, but my trucks always broke down and having to cancel on people. And, you know, I would go and speak with some of the breweries and some of the events that we do. And they would tell me, well, it's, it's just trucks is a lot of time. Their biggest complaint was that trucks can be um, unreliable. And I just didn't want to be that guy. We didn't want to be that company um, that our truck would be unreliable. Um, so we, that was why we decided on a trailer as opposed to, to doing an actual truck as the kitchen. Um, and then the trailer, I just thought, um, I, I know car haulers are, uh, car haulers, they've got to be, you know, their suspension, everything underneath them, the springs have got to be quality enough to be able to carry, uh, something so heavy, um, so I knew if we're going to put ovens and, you know, these, th- this heavy equipment on this trailer, that's why we, we went to, uh, ATC trailer was the company we decided to use, um, out of Napanee, Indiana. And, uh, they were, they were great. They, I just wanted to shell with the man door on the back end because I, I was taking it to, um, someone else that would, that would build out the kitchen, um, and so, yeah, I mean, they, they just built me a, a, a trailer with a man door on the back. So I'm sure on that drive back from Indiana, people are probably laughing, like, what can you put inside of this trailer, this big, huge trailer that you, you literally just have a man door on the back end? And it was that way for probably three or four weeks before uh, the kitchen build out started um, with the kitchen build out. We 
um, research. And again, it, I, I'm going to, I'll probably do this 50 times, but I go back to that, that OCD. I wanted to make sure that we found someone, um, that was just as OCD in regards to, you know, the, their build out and, you know, on the kitchen. And, um, I found BN fabrications and, and he just, that this is what he's done is in, for the last, I want to say 25 years, um, Lewis Bringus, he, he builds food trailers and that, or food trailers and food trucks. And he's done some of the best ones that I've seen here in Colorado. Um, and we still, to this day, a year later, we constantly get, this is the nicest food truck, um, that we've seen. So when you hear those things, it's just really a true testament, especially after a year, you know, after you've been cooking in a, in a, in a food truck for a year, it's close, it's close spaces and, and keeping it clean. He just, everything's stainless steel. He's made this very easy for us to take care of. Um, and so that was really the thought process in regards to building, building out the kitchen. And I think it's, I mean, I, we were under the same philosophy over trailers versus trucks when we were doing that thing, when we did that and we, we no longer do that. And we're, we're sort of repurposing that to a project we're working on in Georgia, the food trailer we have and rebranding it for a different project, but it's the same idea, the trucks we can unhook we can run out to the grocery store you become a little more mobile and that can still run and it's got its own generators so on and so forth and no engine right any truck can pull up and haul it if you need to in an emergency even a rental yeah so i agree with you on that and interestingly same thing with the car haulers car hauler converted that needed to be able to handle the weight basically so a lot of that you learn a lot of things through that so um okay so menu. tell us about the menu um oh yeah. no go ahead patrick i'm sorry no you're fine um menu we um so with growing up in arkansas and i don't know when we came up with with the southern straw it wasn't necessary we wanted people to know more that this is in with the names of our menu items we wanted people to know that this is just really what i grew up on i mean you this is stuff that i i've had the a lot of these things in other places in other parts of the country as well um some of some of these items you know like chicken fried steak i mean it, it might be considered a southern thing but i've had that in different you know parts of parts of the the country so it's not it, it's not necessarily um, it, that's not necessarily just a Southern thing. I don't think. Um, but we just tried to make our own play off of these things. A lot, a lot of what we did was really homage to my family. Um, I grew up, my, my dad made, uh, buttermilk pie. So our, one of our desserts is a daddy's buttermilk pie. Um, I just learned recently uh, that it, it, I guess around Kentucky, it's called chess pie. Um, but that was, um, you know, that was a lot of the names that you'll that you'll see. It was all just homage to my family and where we got it. Um, so what is it exactly? Because I don't think my I don't know what it is. So I think what exactly how do you come up with this recipe and why is it different? Yeah, Randy, you, you're Randy's the so I was more the, the brains in regards to the uh, the the menu itself. And Randy's the one that's really kind of perfected these recipes so i'll let her speak to that 
the buttermilk pie is tricky. Everyone asks us what it's like, and it's hard. It's so hard to explain. The texture is like a cheesecake, kind of like a custard. Um, Patrick always says it doesn't really taste like buttermilk, which it doesn't. I had it for the first time at a restaurant in Colorado because I didn't have it in Arkansas with him. But we went and tried it, and then I just, you know, looked up what ingredients should be in it and tried different variations of what we thought would taste good. There is a little bit of lemon zest in it, and I think we had to mess with that a lot because sometimes then it just tasted too lemony or, you know, not enough. So, Um, And then the other thing is, is like the – the the crust i think really helps make that we we do a graham graham cracker crust whereas um a lot of uh buttermilk pies that we've had just do a regular homemade homemade crust crust and with you know that don't no graham cracker um and so that's really what sets that that particular item apart um from anything else one i love this because like there's just so many things we don't know about in food and that's and therefore there's that many opportunities for a food entrepreneur or an entrepreneur to to use food as their vehicle to explore their entrepreneurial appetite, uh, pun intended. And it's um, but the thing is, is I didn't even know that existed. Right? There's how many fruits, vegetables in the world we still don't even know exist. But there's parts of things and and styles of cooking and palates and flavors and ideas even in desserts for example the pie that we don't even know so i think it's cool that you're taking that and you're bringing it to to colorado and exploring that and now we're talking about on the podcast which hopefully all the listeners around the world are now hearing about this um thing from uh arkansas and on the chicken fried steak thing i mean honestly I'm going to tell myself a little bit, but I love Cracker Barrel breakfast all over. And so chicken fried steak is definitely there. Sausage gravy all over it. I love that concept. So I'll let you guys continue, but I think it's really cool what you guys are doing. Thank you. Yeah. So, um, you know, another one, the, I grew up, my, my mom, she made, um, uh, what, uh, we call it mama's Southern breakfast. Um, and it was literally, it was our breakfast. If you saw me, I'm a pretty big guy and you would know you, you would be like, okay, he eats a lot. Uh, he, it was, it was because I eat things, I eat things like this growing up, but it was, you know, it's, it's a chocolate gravy over, over a biscuit, uh, and then with a side of bacon. And that was one, you know, that was one of the things that you grew up. That was, that was my breakfast in the morning. Um, and now it's, we, we put it on our dessert menu and then we, we did things to kind of make it our own as a, opposed to using just a regular buttermilk biscuit. Um, we decided to, uh, all of our biscuits are homemade. So we, this is a, uh, cinnamon honey biscuit. Um, so it's literally cinnamon, honey, buttermilk biscuit. Um, we just, we, it's a good addition to the, it offsets the chocolate a little bit. And then when you put the bacon in, you get that sweet and salty. Um, but these are all things that everything going down the menu is all ping hom is just something, you know, to, to, to my family. And, and it really is for, for me personally, 
like you just said that you're in um, Colorado right now, but you, you feel like you're in, you know, you, you don't even realize you're not in Georgia. Um, I, I am the same. And I, we, I do that through our food. We do that through our food. Um, our, the, one of the things that I was, that I spoke at the beginning was in regards to our BBLT. I remember my dad taking me to this little, um, gas station that they sold, uh, fried bologna sandwiches. And that's all I remembered about it. I didn't remember any, anything else about it, but we, you know, we just thought what, what could make, um, we were eating a BBL or a, a BLT one day and we thought what can make this BB, BLT better. And we came up with, Oh, bacon, or I'm sorry, bologna. Let's put bologna, fried bologna on this. So we do a fried bologna. We call it the BBLT. Uh, it's bologna, bacon, lettuce, tomato. And we do it on a Hawaiian bread that's been toasted. So it's a toasted Hawaiian bread, um, BBLT. That's um, insane. That's insane. That's so... not even fair to any human <laughs> that's ever had bologna growing up. I mean, you now it's an acquired taste, I feel like. But it is one of those things that... I grew up eating it, so, you know, there's nothing wrong with bologna mayonnaise and a white bread sandwich. So, <laughs> it's, you know, when we, and we constantly get, we love it when we can convert someone. I kind of, I, I fib a little bit, but I can't tell you how many people come up to the truck and they'll say, can I get the BBLT without the bologna? And I'll, I kind of, we'll do it, but I'm, I kind of like, try to guilt them into going ahead and adding the bologna. And I'll be like, you know, you're the third person that's ever asked this. You're only the third person that's ever done this. We'll do it, but we can't promise that it's going to be good. We promise it's amazing. If you, if you do add it to it, um, and every, most times you'll get, okay, fine. Just go ahead and put it on. And then they'll come back up to the truck. We've gotten extra tips because people are saying, oh, my gosh, I'm so glad that you told us to do that. And now it's become a staple on the truck. That's usually one of the first things that we run out of is the, is the BBLTs. Yeah, I believe it. And <clears throat> interestingly, in this, I'm not comparing spam to bologna, but I'm just, there's an acquired taste thing. But there's parts of the world I've been in and food trucks and people I've seen, including New York City, that use things like bologna or like spam to an acquired taste and they convert people or they make delicious food out of it, you know? So, and actually I didn't really think bologna tasted bad in the first place. So I was like, yes, you know, any food I could get in my body growing up was pretty much, I was like, I was starving always because I grew up on a farm and I was running around constantly. So sure. whatever anyone would feed me, I'd, I'd consume, but I did enjoy it, and I do enjoy it now. And actually, it's funny because we were just talking about bologna sandwiches the other day. Um, <clears throat> Deborah, my fiance, and my my stepdaughters were, and one of our stepdaughters' boyfriends, and one of my stepdaughters' boyfriends, Deborah's daughters' boyfriends, were going camping. We rented an RV, so we're going to Yellowstone for a week, um, just to run around and do something during quarantine that's safe and whatever. So, or COVID. <clears throat> And we were talking about packing bologna sandwiches to take with us, you know, as something easy to take if you're hiking or on the on the road or whatever. And, you know, even the dog can have a bologna sandwich, too. So it's easy to go with us. So um, it was just it's interesting that that comes up. I love that idea. Um, 
So tell me more. I mean, you could do so much with it. I really like what you guys are doing. Okay. Oh, the, yeah. Well, just we're working on right now. Um, we're, we're starting to do a uh, – we're calling it the Arkansas Burger. <laughs> and it is – it's um, a burger with the fried bologna, um, cheese, uh, bacon, and we do a – uh, uh, slaw with, and we put our southern twist to our slaw is that we uh, add raisins to it. Um, and so we, we're we're doing this Arkansas burger, and it's got a little barbecue sauce on it on a Hawaiian bun. So that's one of the things right now that we're like, oh, you, and that's really that. That's go back to that whole bologna truck idea. I was like, there's probably a hundred different types of bologna sandwiches that you could that you could come up with. Um, and so that was, that was, I, for some reason, I've just got a soft spot in my heart for bologna. <laughs> I just can't stop coming up with craziness on, on these, on these I know, silly I, Gosh, I want to say I was somewhere in Europe, but maybe, um, it was, uh, everything, it was like literally an everything bologna. They had a bologna mac and cheese. They, I'm trying to think I'm going to have to ask Deborah, but um, like literally that was the concept by which it held it together. They had like, basically it was like a walking taco, but everything, whatever chips you put in, whatever, if whether it was a chili or whether it was a Mac and cheese in there, uh, walking taco being anyone who doesn't know you break open a bag of chips and you kind of crumble in the bottom and you put a topping in the chips and then you, the person gets a fork and they go on the go and mix in the chips with the item. But everything that went in this walking taco was bologna based. So it's kind of cool concept. Um, yeah. Wow. Um, and then beyond that, you know, we do a so that the chicken fried steak um, that mm -hmm. we alluded to earlier, it's more of a we tried to think of how can we make this mobile? We wanted to make each item that's on the menu, obviously something that someone could walk around with. Um and so we did, we came up with a, a chicken fried biscuit. Um, so it's literally, it's, it's the buttermilk biscuit with mashed potatoes, chicken on top, gravy on top of that, bacon on top, and then the biscuit topper. Um, and, you know, it, trying to do the chicken fried steak idea, um, but more into, uh, into a sandwich as opposed to, you know, you've got to sit down with a fork and a knife come to find out it's probably better to sit down with a fork and a knife. Cause it'll be all over you if you don't, but, um, it's still, the idea was to, to make that more, more mobile. Catfish. No. Catfish. Yeah. We do uh catfish awesome. um, with, um, and again, these are just all things that I grew up with, you know, in the South, I don't know if you had, I'm sure you had them in Georgia, but, um, the, the catfish houses where you'll, you know, you go to, you it's literally, you go somewhere and you spend 13 bucks and it's like all you can eat catfish. Um, they, we had, we had them all over the place in yes. Arkansas. Um, yeah. And so we tried to come up with something like that, but then we do a little, a, a little, uh, twist, um, to, to this, that I actually, it, when we lived in Wisconsin, we went somewhere and they added a, uh, a cereal. Um, I don't want to say it. I, I do want to say it. <laughs> we, so we put Captain Crunch in the, um, breading for the catfish. Um, and again, this was, we went to a restaurant, um, in Wisconsin at one point and they had Captain Crunch in the chicken breading. 
and it was mainly for kids. But then I thought, how, what if we, what if there was a way I could add this to the, to, to, to catfish. And so we came up with a recipe that, yeah, we, we use a, about half of that is, um, you know, you, when you, when you bite into it, you get that sweet, um, it still keeps it crispy, um, taste of, of Captain Crunch. So it's called, what, what do we call that one? Captain's Catchfish. Bless you. Thank you. Um, so that, that, yeah, that one, we call that one Captain's Catchfish. And the idea is, you know, play on, on Captain Crunch. Um, Man, that is awesome. I love stuff like that. I think what you got, that is bold, but I think it's, it's probably, I've got to try it. I'm honestly, I'm like, that sounds amazing. So, I mean, cause there's a lot of people that have used cereal and different types of things. And just, I want to pause you guys real quick there. Can you guys tell everyone where they can find you online and on social media? Yeah. At, um, at this on Instagram, um, and Facebook at the Southern straw, um, not Southern straw, but at the Southern straw. And then also we have a, our, our website is the, the com. How'd you come up with the name Southern straw? Oh goodness. Um, so when that's a bunch of baloney, um, was decided that we would not, that's probably was not the route route to go. Um, due to opportunity in the future looking grim, um, we decided that we, we, we knew we wanted something with the name, uh, something, uh, the name to Southern to be in the name. Um, and then I just started trying to come up with words that, uh, that, you know, kind of meant food. And so I looked up synonyms for the word food, um, and found vittles, um, Southern, the Southern vittles didn't sound great. Um, and, uh, then I found a synonym for the word vittles and that was straw. And it's mainly meant you know, for, for horse, you know, for cattle feed. Um, but the idea was, you know, when, when you think of the word, you know, straw, you, a lot of times you think of country, when you think of country, you think of Southern. Um, so that's really where the name, the Southern straw was born. I think it's brilliant. So horror stories, let's talk horror stories. You, you're launching a food truck trailer excuse me um i mean it can't it's obviously not butterflies and rainbows so i mean tell us like the the lessons the hardships i mean you say you didn't want to do a podcast before but i'm sure looking back you wish you would have captured some of those moments yeah absolutely um uh the biggest one that sticks out in my mind is we did a morning um, here in Denver, they do uh, food truck Fridays um, on a local uh, uh, on two local news stations. Um, and so on food, tr- food truck Friday, we got up and we, we did, we did our interviews uh, food truck Friday morning. And it really, we, you know, like we have these little Instagram counters and, and our social media counters um, that, that, it, that count. Um, and they really, they like, they fold, they flop over. Um, 
right on our on the front of the food truck so they they literally or food trailer sorry they they literally if someone follows us you can watch it immediately flip over while we're in the middle of the of the segment um this thing is just going crazy i think we went up probably a hundred followers um just in that one little 15 minute live segment that we that we that we did and then they asked, well, where are you going to be this evening? And so we gave the name of the brewery that we were, that we were going to be at. When we get there, there is a line um, for us, you know, at this location. And um, Randy did not <laughs> – this, this so bad. Um, she did not check to make sure that the propane on one of the grills was off. And so literally had her face stuck down by the, you know, when she was lighting the propane, when she was lighting the uh, cooktop and it blew up in her face and um, it was kind of like a flash fire, you know, that it it blew out. And then once it was out, the, the, you know, once the propane was gone and it was out, so it didn't, nothing caught on, on fire luckily, but I get a call from Randy. Um, she's at the back of the location and I'm up front setting menus and all of that. And she, she said, um, she was like, I, she calls me and she's like, Patrick, I've really done it this time. And I go outside and I'm like, well, the truck's not on fire. Everything's good. And I walk and I just turn the corner and I look inside the truck and I could smell something burning, but I didn't know what it was. And I'm like, Randy, what's burning? She was like, it's me. I'm burning. <laughs> I'm like, oh, oh my gosh. And I look at her hair. Eyebrows are gone, Justin. Um, hair is singed at the front. Um, I mean, it is just, I was like, oh my gosh, this is bad. And I'm, again, you know, I'm that OCD guy that I probably would have checked it. So I'm like, I feel horrible. I should have, I should have been the one Absolutely. going. Sure I've been there. Checked. And then on top of that, I'm also going, oh, I don't ever want to let any brewery down, right? I don't want to let anybody that we work for down. So I'm trying to figure out, are we going to be able to do this? Or are we going to have to leave? And I'm trying to talk her into staying. And I'm just like, it was the worst position to be in where you're like trying to decide, okay, should we go to the hospital or are we going to serve here today? At that, that, was- at that point, people, that's one of those things. It's the devil or the devil on either shoulder. It's just which one do you choose, you know? Exactly. So, yeah, it's a no win, no matter which direction you go. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Um, So that's probably, you know, as far as physically, that's that's probably the biggest, biggest horror story. Um, The other horror stories come probably out of success. You know, you one, we we try to look at everything like it's not a you know, anything that we do, it's not a failure. It's leading to success. And, you know, I think the, the biggest ones that, that we have is, you know, if, if, if when we go work an event, um, it's kind of molded and shaped who we are now. Um, but when we work an event and we don't, it, you know, the line, if, if the line's backed up and you just don't have the time to talk to people, um, and you know someone's having to wait 30 minutes on food um we you know a lot of people when they think of mobile food you think oh this is going to be a quick thing um and we want to make it that but at the same time they've got to realize that they're not going to a fast you know it's it's that balance of you're not at a fast food restaurant um and we're really trying we want to make sure we're putting out quality um and so no go ahead we just 
we just don't like, you know, the events where people are going to be standing in a line. We, that those turn into the horror stories for us because we don't get the chance to build the relationships with the people that, that are coming, you know, that are coming to see us. We like to talk. Um, and we like to talk about our menu. We're, we're excited. We're proud of what we're doing. Um, and when, when people walk away, we want them to feel like we've done, I mean, we're in food. That's what we, you know, we, we sell food. That That's what we do. But really we try to look at it like we're in the people industry. We really want to, we want, we're there to make someone's experience better. They, when someone's deciding to go out to eat, a lot of times, you know, what kind of have you ever gotten into an argument with your fiance about, OK, what you know, what do you want to eat? And she says, oh, I don't care. Well, at the end of the day, everybody really does care about where they're going to eat. And so when people choose us um, to be one of those meals, um, we we take that very seriously and we're very proud of of being able to do that. So doing the big events sometimes can can take away from that it's not that we won't do them it's just more that you know we we would prefer to be able to spend a little time talking to the people that we're serving yeah and well on on that note deborah's pretty lucky i'll eat anything or i'll at least try anything let's put it that way i know what i don't like but i'll try anything um so that part but the um you know, joking aside, it's, um, I think one of the things we're coming to understand, well, even with COVID or we need to understand is just because it's a food truck doesn't mean it's street food, meaning it's a fast food style thing, or it's a, like what we're seeing in New York city where it's like a hot dog that's already ready in the water. And I get it in two seconds with my $5 because what we're going to see is, okay, we're going to have this social distance thing, this six feet apart. You know, this isn't going away anytime soon. So restaurants are going to have to be more mobile and we're going to have to spread ourselves out. So these mobile kitchens are going to be more like mobile restaurants and just like you guys are doing. So if we really start to understand that this is more of an eating out experience or a, a takeout experience and we need to have the patience and, and time and make it about actually being able to go out and experience something somewhere or go to the brewery or whatever. I think that's really a cool thing that's going to happen. We don't need to have the traditional brick and mortar anymore. And there's no doubt um, that you can get there. And interestingly, we just talked about this on the last podcast is we're seeing some mobile kitchens support what I'll call storefronts, maybe uh, one or two or three storefronts. And it's just one mobile kitchen like you guys. And they take orders and deliveries from those storefronts. But the mobile kitchen actually supports all three, which is kind of a cool concept. Also, I've we've started seeing pop pop up in different parts uh, during this scenario, because why have kitchens? If you already have a food trailer, you can do grab and go or delivery or grub hub from, you know, storefronts, for example. So, yeah, a hundred percent. We love, we, the, we just listened last night to the, to the last, was that Birch Mountain barbecue? Yeah. Um, out of Washington. And yeah, that, that was what we, we, we carried that kind of out of this going, wow, I wonder what, what would that look like here? That was really, that was one of the big things we carried out of that particular episode yeah because i mean it's not you know if you guys it's possibility to the food 
uh, trailers or trucks or whatever have more use than just where they where they are or who they're serving there. You know, you start taking takeout or Grubhub pickup right there while you're also serving other things. You know, that starts to, you know, expand your reach, for lack of a better term. So, sure. you know, is there a fee? Of course, you're getting access to Grubhub or whatever the other one is. I can't remember what the other delivery service is. We use Grubhub, so I can't remember the other one. But anyway. DoorDash. Yeah, DoorDash. Thank you. I knew, I was like thinking the Incredible Kid. What's the kid from Incredibles? I remember like associating, oh, it's Dash. Uh, DoorDash, <laughs> yeah. So, um I mean, so I was, you guys were in the middle of talking about stories and stuff like that. So I didn't mean to get sidetracked. Um, so I'll let you guys talk anything else you feel you've learned and stuff like that. But I wanted to talk about that for sure. Cause I thought it was pretty cool. Sure. You know, when I was, when we were talking about, you know, ones, if there was anything that we could share with anyone that's, and I'm not saying that this would be success for everyone, but for us, you know, we constantly, and we still get it to this day that, you know, we're, we're only, we're still fairly young. We're, we're an infant food trailer, I guess is the best way to put it. But, um, we, you know, we constantly still hear whatever you do. Um, don't, and this is just, I, the, the bigger point is do what you want to do, but we constantly heard, um, you know, whatever you do, don't become a brewery truck. And, um, we would hear that from trucks that are working at breweries, or we would hear that from, um, people that are at events and it's that, you know, we let's just hurry up and let's make money and let's go. And for us, when someone, for, for me personally, when someone says, don't do something, I've got this, like wild hair up my ass that I'm yeah. just like, yeah, I'm going to go ahead. We're, we're going to give this a shot. Huh. Um, so when someone says, don't, whatever you do, don't man, we would heard it. We we've heard this a lot. Um, don't become a brewery truck. We really have, um, honed in on, there's a lot of people that don't want to become brewery trucks. So we want to be the best damn brewery truck that there is out there. Yeah. Um, since there's nobody that wants to do it, somebody's got to do it. Right. Um, and, <laughs> You know, so it's like you, you build these partnerships. Like when we go in somewhere, again, I go back to it's about people. Um, we can make our customers coming up that are happy. Um, we can make the breweries that we're with are happy. You know, these are partnerships that when you go to when you go serve at a location that it's also their place of business, um, you're representing them as well. So if you take on I like to take on the the mindset that as I don't worry about myself. I don't worry about the Southern straw. I worry about how I'm representing you and am I making you proud? As long as I'm making you proud, then I know that I'm doing the job for myself as well. If that makes sense. Yeah. Um, I, I, we want to be the best possible, uh, truck that we can for our partners that are out there. And that just happens to be brewery. So whether it be when we're out there, we're helping them pick up, I mean, half of the trash is our trash, right? So we're helping them pick up trash. Um, we're helping them pick up their glasses that are, you know, sitting out on tables. The, these are all things that it's small things that you do for your partners that 
they will become 100% loyal to you. And for us through COVID, you know, you have to adapt, you have to change that you've had, to, you have to kind of, we, we, we've all had to shift our way of thinking in this industry, I think. And, um, we've been able to be a part of that change for the better um, with a lot of these, the breweries that we go to and we can, when we go somewhere, we've had breweries ask us, well, how is, how is, how's another brewery doing this? Um, and when we can help them with, you know, the best solutions to, to create social distancing, but be able to help, um, them service their customers that that's what's probably the most rewarding for us um, well, on a grander level it's the right thing to do and the example to show employees or people in the community what doing the right thing you know and building up communities and partnerships and businesses within the communities really looks like right like we're all here we all got to do it together Right. A hundred percent. Yeah. <clears throat> and doing the right thing is what leads to good business and profit and, and revenue. You know, like you want to be a superhero in your community. You got to do the start by doing the right thing all the time in the partnerships. And I, and I like that you said that. Yeah. A hundred percent. And then what you end up seeing is that that will grow into other things. So, you know, you, that will grow into, they'll help you with social media and then you're doubling up your social media because they're excited you're coming. Then they're posting on their page that you're coming, um, to their location. And that, you know, it's, they're doing some advertising that, you know, that you didn't even, you didn't pay for that. You paid for it, but you paid for it through doing the right thing. Yeah. And so, I mean, I want to talk about this also, cause I think it's just so cool. What one of the things you said is, you know, for me, for Justin Bizarro, you know, one of the things I love is leadership learned through military and war and all that and the reflection, how that learns to lead people. Okay, that's one thing. But one of the other things I love is how sports and what sports teach individuals or elite athletes learn is that this drive that they have. And, you know, I'm, I've never said this on the podcast, but anyone who's listening to the podcast should go online and watch The Last Dance it's about Michael Jordan. And one of the things that happened is he was so laser focused on being the best basketball player ever. And not only that, but building a legacy in the sport for his family for generations. Right? So I recommend watching The Last Dance. It gives you a clue. But to what Patrick was saying, when everyone said, oh, you don't want to just be another brewery truck, he's right. They're right. He did not want to be just another brewery truck. You know, he wanted to be that's the brewery truck. And Sorry, so that's what I'm saying. You know, <clears throat> and I have one other thing that I've never told anyone to do. You should read the book Relentless, which is by his trainer. And it, the name is skipping me right now. Guy's name, but it talks about this focus of being a closer and doing the right thing and always leading. And it also has to do with what Patrick was just talking about. If you want to be the best and you want to lead, it goes all the way around. You have to live at a different level than everyone else. You can't set your standards by what everyone else is doing. That's You're never going to lead and you're never going to be the best and you're never going to sustain the profitability and the financial livelihood that you could really dream of. Because let's be honest, you know, Money's not everything, but it's nice to have. And that's why we work so hard. And that's what builds our communities. And that's what builds our partnerships. So um, 
go ahead, Patrick, I'll let you continue. But I just thought what you said, the focus, you know, and if anyone pushed Michael Jordan's buttons, heaven forbid, everyone's like, don't ever talk trash to Michael Jordan because it will give him a focus. There are people like that. You know, I am one of them. Uh, yeah. Don't tell me I cannot do it because there is, I will go hell or high water, the most difficult path ever to prove I can. And then somehow that we become really good at that thing. Because everyone said we couldn't do it. Podcast is, I'm not great at it. I'm still going. But someone told me I could never do it. And we're at 164. So. Killing. Love that. Um, yeah. You're, Love the you're mentality. Right. I, I so. think, the, and I think a lot of entrepreneurs, um, just in general, have that, have that mentality of, um, you let somebody tell me that I can't do this. And I promise you we will do it um and we will make sure that that it it exceeds um anyone else's expectations it's not going to exceed mine i'm going to always think ah what could i have done differently to make this better um and but it will always be something that um is just please tell me that I, i can't do something that's 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 the best motivation that I personally can could ever have is is telling me that I can't do it. <laughs> yeah, I know. And watch out sometimes because there's where the OCD thing comes into play because I will ruminate until I figure out every path and fail and pivot and fail and pivot. You know. Sure. So one um, of my interview questions that I used to ask people in my in my past life, I guess, was um what, uh, you know, what's your best personality? What would your, what would your family say is your best personality <laughs> trait? And they, you know, it would be for me personally, it would be, uh, he's, he's OCD. Like he, he's really, really detailed. And then the next question is, is okay, well, what's your worst personality yeah. trait? And really, I want to hear you say that it's, uh, being OCD, <laughs> you know, if, if, if it's your best personality trait, it's probably also your worst. Yeah, always, always. So, yeah. Um, so, what else? I mean, plans for the future. Um, how's COVID been for you guys? Um, how's it coming you know, now? Things opening back up a little bit in Colorado. Yes, they are. Um, you know, we through COVID, it's kind of it's kind of funny. We again, we with that whole mentality of don't come a brewery truck. You know, breweries were ones that that closed and they were only open to um, take out. Um, and the, if they, th- this was you know at the height when when everything's closed down, they they could still do takeout. But most of our breweries would allow us to still come and and park out front um, through all of that. And what we found was just people in general wanted to help small business. That was that there was it, it was crazy to me the amount of business that we did just off of people thought, oh, I can go to this brewery and I can get my take home beer. Um, and also I can go help this food. I, you know, I can help this small business food truck here, um, at the same time. And that made people feel good. I can't tell you how many thank yous that we got for being, just being out there, um, from that. And that really helped drive us. Um, also, you know, then you picked up, we, we picked up, uh, neighborhoods and, and, um, apartment complexes that was, 
another one that we um, decided to do. And then sure everyone, you know, the mobile ordering becomes a thing where, you know, people can order from the comfort of their own home or their car and it can be ready for them when they, when they go to pick it up or it can be delivered. Um, These are all things that, that we like most have, have um, moved over to, but one of the, what was big for us, we was, we wanted to make sure that we, some of the, the breweries that we, that we went to, um, pre COVID, we wanted to continue to build that relationship with those breweries. And so we would still go and, and, and park out front. And we were one of the few that was doing that. And it's created a sense of, um, they are loyal to us, you know, because they they want the Southern Straw outside of their business because they know that we're going to be there through you know through thick and thin for them. We are we are there. This is again, this is all about people. Band of brothers. Um, There's no joke. COVID is going to do that for a lot of businesses. You watch. There's a band of brothers of those who stick together are going to have a stronger relationship, especially in a better economy. So a hundred percent. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and then uh, for the future, you know, we constantly as I guess as a entrepreneur, you, you constantly are thinking, what can we do to change this, to grow this? I get bored. Um, I have a, uh, a coach. We have a, a, a coach that we um, I guess it's kind of, kind of a business coach, um, but it's really, and he doesn't, it's more like he'll ask the perfect questions that make me think outside the box, you know? Um, and they're just like the simplest questions that make you, make you think outside the box. And, um, so for us, you know, with, through working with him, you know, I think we're going to, um, venture down this idea of, uh, we're still going to put out, we, we do like crawfish boils and uh, shrimp boils and things like that. We're, we're going to continue to do some of these events once a month and we're going to pick a different location to do these events. Um, and it could be that we just have a big uh, fish fry. Um, it could be that we, that we're doing the shrimp boil. It, it, it will really probably just center around one particular uh, food and you know we try to bring a band out to be able to listen to music during these events we we, we, we so we're, we're trying to do these once a month that that stimulates um, our business um, as well as it brings more business in to the to the to the locations that we go yeah. um, and it's employing a you know a band we're all kind of you know in this whole cry we're, we're kind of in this whole craft world, I guess, yeah. where, you know, bands, bands, beer and, uh, and food kind of all go together well. And there is a way to do that responsibly, you know, and, and social distance. And so th- that's really what we're working on right now is trying to figure out how to, how to do, how to do all three of those things together. Yeah, I like the idea of the almost pop-up different scenario, I think. And it gives you the flexibility to experiment with different recipes and different ideas. Um, Particularly if you decide to open a second truck, um, do you stick with another Southern Straw? You're starting to do that R&D for that process, let's say. Um, And I think it's a cool concept because you can feed more people. Um, you could almost make it like a Sunday night dinner or a family Friday thing concept or something like that. Um, 
I mean, it'd be kind of cool to even, you know, I don't know, but there's, I like what you're go- where you're going with it. And I like the ideas and the catfish and the different things that you guys have. It would be really cool to see, see that. So I'm interested to see how that goes for you guys. Um, how do you come up with new ideas for recipes i mean is it something that you guys are just sitting around you're like let's try something new or we have this festival coming up or we have this event at this brewery you know how can we integrate something into the food that scenario i mean i assume you don't always go with the same menu or is that um i mean how do you work that in a food truck i guess would be my question that was one and before i forget the other one is is i wanted you to explain a little bit more that transition into the mobile apps and how what you used as a food truck and and how you integrated that into your business um in terms of people coming to pick up food or um to go and stuff like that but let the other question first okay um sorry, which question do you want to do first? The mobile apps? Yeah, the... do the mobile apps first. Okay. Yeah. Mobile apps. We ended up, we, um, it, we didn't want to reinvent the wheel or anything like that. So we already, um, do work with, uh, truckster. Um, truckster is a local, uh, basically a food truck app where you, if, if you want to find where your where, um, food trucks are in your area, um, they will, they, they have, most food trucks in the in the Denver area posted um, on their app, um, and they they really worked hard at getting this mobile ordering system down um, right before COVID had even started, and it really didn't take off. I don't think. Uh, for us or them um until covid started you know when when co when, when the when we all had to think outside the box um that was when we were going oh well truckster already has this in place so i think i'll just go ahead and use this um and it it works it, for us it's worked perfect i mean it's literally um they it it hooks right to our uh point of sale system and they uh someone can place an order on truckster um it will pop up on our on our uh kitchen printer and lets us know what what needs to be cooked for that order um and then we literally send a text out um through the app uh as long as we have the app open um we can send a text out to to let the person know that their food's there and ready to be picked up um that's yeah, awesome so that, um, so, and, and then we also we had we've had some breweries that if they have a you know when Randy and I this has really been a two person operation we've had help along the way uh, from family um, Randy's mom has helped quite a bit um, my boys my 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 kids have helped quite a bit and uh, Callan and Chesney and then my brother Evan has helped quite a bit but for the, and then other than that it's really just been us too so we don't have the ability to when we're serving we don't have the ability for someone to to leave and go deliver food we really need both hands on deck um, because most places we're we are pretty busy so um, the the breweries that we have if they have a delivery person that's out delivering they'll deliver our food for us as well um and oh that's cool it 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 does it just goes back to that you know it's all that's been another perk of just being nice and doing the right thing (laughs) um everyone wants to help everyone out 
Um, so, uh, and truck, truckster has been huge with that truckster. Also, uh, if I can just plug this for a second, truckster did a thing where, um, they did serve the industry. Um, and we would go out, they, they basically, you could, you could go on and to, to their app and you could donate money, donate a meal to a service industry worker, um, and what it did was it put the food trucks to work. It would, um, we, they called us and they said, here, will you, you pick your local, wherever you do your shopping at, you pick that location and we will, um, we'll pay you to go and, uh, feed the, the workers that work at that grocery store. Um, so we were able to do that here for our local community and go and feed, uh, the workers and just say, thanks for, for being there. Um, through all of this craziness that's going on. That's pretty awesome. You don't get opportunities like that all the time to build relationships like that with people. Yeah, absolutely. Okay, what was the other question? Sorry. Recipes. How do you guys come up with new recipes, new menu items? Do you do new ones for new events? I mean, you were talking about the crawfish boil or and yeah. the um, um, and things like and that, the catfish and um, the Captain Crunch, etc., Sure. So with when we're doing for the most part, we roll with the same menu um, day in, day out. And for us, we still we see um, just on, I guess, on the marketing side of it, um, we see that we're getting, um, I don't know, 25, depending on where we're at, we're about 25% returning customers. So that means the other 75% have never had us. Um and so we're still running with that same menu from the day that we opened. And then every once in a while, we'll switch it up. We'll do something a little different. So, for instance, um, when uh, a, a local brewery, for instance, Something Brewery is, is a local brewery here in Colorado. And they have been amazing partners for us in regards to if they come out with a beer they'll and they know that we're going to be there when, when um, they're, you know, doing a beer release – They'll out, they'll say, Hey, we're, we're coming out with this beer. That's got, uh, strawberries in it. Um, could you, could you do something? Can you come up with something with, with strawberries? So we'll come up with some sort of dessert, um, that partners with, uh, the, the beer that they're doing and whatever name that they give their beer, we give the same name to our dessert. So it really creates the same, you know, it creates that, that partnership. Um, like a release party, you got the food matching the beer, the pairing. Yep, absolutely. And it were, I cannot tell you how successful those things. I mean, it is, that's probably been the most successful in regards to, um, just different ideas that we've come, that, that we've, that we've come up with. And it's been going to these breweries and coming up with a, with a dessert. I was noticing with Birch Mountain, y'all were talking about a bread pudding and we do, um, we do a, a bread pudding that we will use whatever beer that they, uh, we'll use like one of their porters we'll put it in the glaze of the uh, in the glaze of the bread pudding we'll put that particular beer um in the glaze and so it really did people want to try it you know um they they absolutely love people come out in droves for those for those types of things um so 
that's really, you know, we, we kind of try to just get our ideas from our surroundings and what's carrying us. Um, we, we try to get it from our, from our partners. Um, you know, that's, that's where we get the ideas for any new recipe that, 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 that we come out with. It's usually through our partners. Yeah. And I love that. And I think, I mean, that's really one of the things that I think is totally underutilized in the food and beverage world is the, um, is the cross utilization of each other's clients and customers and recipes and flavors. And, you know, we've had Spencer's beef jerky on this, um, Spencer's jerk and jerky on this podcast a few times and he's done a lot of things where he does these specialty beef jerkies that marry in the microbrewery flavors up in ashburn virginia and it's a way to get your brand out there and build your brand and also help these companies build their brand and so there's no reason not to partner it's like if i'm in the food business i'm not going to go into the microbrewery business let's be honest there's they're not competitors so you know, even if they open their own restaurant one day, I mean, honestly, you're still going around to all their other breweries, you know? So, you know, I think it's, it's the strength and the numbers are, or even maybe they have you open the restaurant, you know, cause you've, you've built such a strong relationship. I think things like that and thinking that visionary path in hopes and never knowing where it's going to go is, is important. Yeah, and sure. you constantly think about, and I'm sure you do this, but you constantly think, what what could this turn into? You know, like when when you're building those relationships, you're you're constant. We're constantly thinking, what could this possibly turn into for us? What could this turn into for them? Um, and that it's that's just just a great driving motivator um, to constantly just try to help someone else and um, you know, the opportunities that it opens up for you um, just seem to be never ending. Absolutely. So um, Patrick and Randy, would you guys like to share anything uh, with the audience before we, uh, we bring your episode to an end? Got anything, Randy? You're such a talker. I know, I'm a big talker. I know. She took out the whole podcast. <laughs> I, I was wondering when Patrick was going to talk. Yeah. It, I, I will say this. Randy has been, like, I'm probably the, I, I've got to be just the biggest headache for her because she <laughs> is constantly um, just go, trying to funnel my ideas and yeah. you know she's she's the filter for me in regards to going okay let's let's slow down let's really think about this um and so i you know i personally i can't thank her enough for what she does and what she brings to the table for us and she cooks all the recipes she's probably she she finds a way to make it work some of some of the crazy ideas that we come up with um she she finds a way to make them work so i'm very appreciative of that yeah i think um i think when you um when the true visionaries still need the grounding um and i think i think it's important it's important for me uh to have deborah do the same thing for me there's always the grounding needed and eventually you always get there because they structure it for you because that funneling's important so uh otherwise we would just go get it everything at once so 
Absolutely. No, I don't, I, we don't have anything else. I just can't thank you enough. Um, Justin for having us on. Um, I, I appreciate your persistence. Um, yeah. for anyone that doesn't know, Justin is very persistent. He, um, I, I can't tell you how many messages I got that I apologize that I probably did not answer because I just thought, Oh, oh nope, not the time yet. And I don't know how to tell Justin no right now. So I just won't say anything. <laughs> and so I think eventually you just sent me a message where everyone could see it. So I'm like, Oh crap, Justin just made this public. So I better, yeah. I've got to do something now. Yeah. Um, so that that's what got me. So if you if you've got anybody out there that you're that you're that you're wanting on, just make it public, and then they'll go okay. Yeah, if they, yeah. If they have I'll do a little peer pressure. I, yeah, that's I, all it takes. Yeah, I have ability to do that sometime. No, I just I thought you guys have a good story. Um, I've been following you from the beginning, so I think it's important that we tell the story. I also think it's important we continue to tell the story, and we sort of dive into some other concepts so i'll reach out to you guys persistently um starting in another two months maybe and get you guys back on and we can talk about how the winter's going and um and see what the future holds um again with these these boils and you know as you guys change and pursue some of your other ideas so thank you guys for coming on we appreciate it justin thank you awesome thank you everyone for listening and if you like what they um what we shared on this podcast today and on the episode please share patrick and randy's story um again will you guys quick say your social media handles um and where they can find you online sure we're at um on facebook the 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 southern straw on instagram at the the southern straw and the southern straw.com awesome and uh everyone listening in also Uh, We are still doing the Food and Beverage Entrepreneur Summit uh, with some contests and some cool fun events during Halloween in Milledgeville, Georgia. You can find that online at eventbrite.com, E-V-E-N-T-B-R-I-T-E.com. If you just search the Food and Beverage Entrepreneur Summit, you can see it all in there. So cool event if anyone's looking. uh, Geez, I would say there's probably over $80,000 in awards for entrepreneurs if you want to be in barbecue sauce business or some sort of retail food business so kind of cool event so thank you everyone for listening in and uh have a great day